Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Taylor Simpson, who's the founder and CEO of the Halo app, like the Ohio State University. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited for this. You guys, like uh, a handful of your team members, hit me up online when I posted the 100th episode, uh, which was awesome to see. So can't wait to hear the pitch. Appreciate it. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, let's start with a pitch for the Halo app. Well, the Halo app is a private peer lending community that connects people, in our case, backers, people that have money, uh, borrowers, people that need access to $100 to $1,000 in a marketplace, $100 to $1,000. We liaison the transaction. And is that uh, loans? Is that just friendly lending? What? How are those structured? It could be a mixture of both. A lot of it is friendly. Inadvertently, it's it's between people, but they're loans. You know, people that need access to cash quickly when life happens. One hundred to one thousand dollars is a very targeted pain point area for a lot of people. Flat tires, school books for college students, groceries for your refrigerator, people paycheck to paycheck. Me and my life. You know, my electricity was cut off. Um, which we will dive into. Oh, I got to hear this story. Yeah. No, no, no. Do I mean, it now. Just, you know, the, the story for me, you know, trails back to 2015. I was an architect prior to this. I was in my dream job. And I remember calling my mother from Milan, Italy. I, I never imagined traveling. You were an architect in Milan. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, working on the... Uh, on I mean, the, who among <laughs> us hasn't been an architect in Milan? Yeah. Working on the Mexican Pavilion uh, for the World Expo. And I called my mother and I said, mom, I think I'm going to quit. And she panicked. She screamed on the phone. But I just had this, this itch to become an entrepreneur as, you know, is the same with a lot of entrepreneurs. It just, it wouldn't go away. I, I dreamed about it. I found myself researching, you know, we always do the Google Larry yeah. Page, Sergey Brin, uh, Steve Jobs. And I'm just like, oh, that's me. These are my peers. He didn't know a, a lick about entrepreneurship, but... You look like a young man. So how how old were you when roughly when when you made this choice? Twenty three, twenty four. Right. I was straight out of school. Right on. I did. Uh, and your mom was right. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I did a year. You know, working just around Ball State. Love Ball State. Chirp chirp. But you know, left. Got a job. Knew it was my dream job forever. I wanted to design Olympic stadiums, and this was kind of a watered down version of that. I was doing like the Pan Am Games and Formula One. And I just wanted to, you know, to make something that was going to change people's lives. That's really what it boiled down to. I saw all these entrepreneurs creating products that were changing people's lives and changing technology actively. And of course, you know, I went straight to Uber um, and I'm I was sitting down with my wife now uh, and, you know, just asked her the question, the world's largest transportation hub, no cars, what? You know, the, the world's largest hotel chain, no hotels, what? What if there was the world's largest bank? You know, I was going through those issues, you know, in my life as a young professional, as a young man trying to figure it out, feeling, you know, as an outlier in the stock market community, even though, you know, I had a few thousand dollars in savings, never thought I could have a few thousand dollars in, in savings. So I, I initially approached the idea from a backer perspective. 
Uh, I had a buddy that called me and said, man, congratulations on the line. And you know, when a, when a buddy calls you and they give you compliments, they're asking for something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I saw, I saw your pictures on Instagram. You're, uh, you're the best. You're the best. Hey, what's going on? I, I need a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> I need a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, for me, I had it. It was not a big deal. I thought it was going to be worse, you know, ask. And I did it. He said, I'll pay back Friday, which was four days away. I was like, great, you know, pay me back 200. No, I'll pay you back 250. Well, great. I just saw that I was going to make 3% on this, on the stock market. So he did, you know, pay me back 25%, 250 bucks on a $200 loan in three days. And I just thought to myself, man, that's really cool. So I asked him the next week, Hey, do you need anything? And he said, no, I'm good. And so I just, you know, Prost all of my friends. Does anybody need any help with anything? I'm here. And I, I got to the point, you know, four or five months later, I was lending out to four or five friends a month. Hmm. And business was great, if you could call it that, because, you know, for me, I just enjoyed the feeling, the altruistic feeling. And I'll say it a lot, you know, on this podcast, just of helping people, uh, which is the core of me. And it felt good. It, it didn't feel like I was investing in Google stock. It, it, it felt like I was investing in people. So I did what anybody would do. And I tried to, I left my job. Uh, uh, see, this is where I don't think anybody <laughs> would do this part. This is, yeah. I left my this job is in unique. architecture. I came back to the States and I tried to start a business. And it took me, myself, my roommate, you know, and, and my future wife, 30 days to start an LLC. Like, just everything was new. It was fresh. It felt like it was the story of the century, uh, but we moved fast, you know, and, and just went for it. You know, fast forward a, a year later, I spent all of my money, every single dime of it, maxed out all of my credit cards, uh, you know, went broke, went into depression, and it really was needed. Paint this timeline for me. So this would have been how many years ago? 2015 to the end of 2016. Okay. Which was the best you know, year of growth of my life, 2017, leading into it, just... And what happened over that year where you maxed out your credit card, spent all your money? Was that building the first version of the product? Was that what what took place? It's trying to do everything, uh, trying to figure out what the product was, trying to figure out market fit, trying to figure out if people really needed it, you know, validating that people need it, and, and then feeling the pressure of, well, now I have to build it. I don't know how to build it. How do you even get developers? <laughs> Can I ask about the depression? Yeah, just uh, for me, it was, you know, I I had never, I don't even call it failed because uh, for me, you know, I'm really passionate about the phrase fail forward. Um, the story is not ended. You know, I'm still here. I'm talking to you about the same product that I was trying to build in 2015. But, you know, the failure of it, being very public with it, you know, not getting support from friends and, and family in the circle. Um, sometimes, you know, people kind of making fun of your drummings a little bit and and just figuring out why it didn't work. I think a lot of times in entrepreneurship, you just don't know why things aren't working and you just want them to work so bad. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, me, I'm the passion person forever. And why can't we get this? This is in. And the biggest mistake for me is I look for VC funding. I understand it, you know, now hindsight, but, you know, we were moving so fast and, I almost slammed on the brake because I was like, oh, great, now let's raise $2 million because that's what I read about. You see the gaps in dates. You're just like, I don't know why it took Airbnb two years. We're raising money now. We're ready. Uh, <laughs> just that, you know, the na naivety and the arrogance. But 
that was, I think, my biggest mistake thinking back on it. Just keep moving, keep building, keep putting in front of people's hands. I've always, you know, done halos with my savings account. Keep doing that. Keep figuring out what people want. Keep moving forward. But I took, you know, six months off of our momentum to to get, you know, 2,000 no's. And I, I keep those emails. So that was early 2017? That's late 2016. Okay. Team kind of disbanded. You know, things weren't moving anymore. Okay. So you went out to go raise money. Not successful. Looks like the team's going to break up. Actually, funny last story, uh, oh, which yeah. was kind of the straw that tipped the camel's back. Finally got a yes. Okay. Let's, let's paint this picture. You know, I, I had about $450 left in credit limit. You know, some of our other team members, whatever, you know, all early 20s, drove out to New York City, met with a company at what I now know is a co-work space, okay. <laughs> fraudulent investors that uh, meet with entrepreneurs over the course of four months and then get them to pay a $5,000 due diligence payment. And so we got our term sheet and I remember seeing it and, you know, we're exhilarated. We're excited. We were partying in New York. It was the best pitch that, we had ever Is that had. company still around? No, I, I can't find them. Okay. All right. Otherwise, I was going to say you need to say who they are, but if they're not around, then yeah. don't worry about it. All right. You know, it, we did more research. We called the founders. You know, we were very scrappy at that time. Called other founders and they all said the same thing. Like, no, man, that was the, that was the worst thing ever. Uh, and it just, you could just feel the morale of the team. Just, it was done. Yeah, that would be tough. Started my depression a little bit, you know, because I called all my family like, this is the moment I've been working for. And then after that, you could just tell, you know, the team broke up. Yeah, I tried to keep with it. But after about three weeks, uh, it, it it was, you know, it, we put it down. You know, fast forward three months, I was just more motivated than ever. I started another app called Budget Me. It was, you know, just really just, you're never going to give up. I'm the type of person that will just never give up. I promise you. Started a company called Budget Need. It was a fun little app, simple algorithm. I figured out how to code a little bit myself because I'm not paying a hundred thousand. Right you can, you know, for me and and again, just a side story. I wish people would tell entrepreneurs the real skill sets that they need. Bootstrapping, creativity, you know, those are the type of things you don't always have to know this person. You just have to have the passion and the wherewithal and the courage to meet people and to get human capital. You don't need necessarily, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. I knew my journey was going to be glaringly different when I went to my first startup event. You know, I had raised $4,000 from my family and I knew what F and F was. And somebody said, Oh, you raised an F and F then. I love your idea. How much did you raise? I said, four, 4,000. I said, 400. That's awesome. I said, no, no, 4,000. He's like, oh, and you know, I, I raised you know three hundred from my uncle. I said, well, this is going to be different. This is our our experience is just going to be jarringly different. But you know, started budget me app. It just you put in how much you made, and it showed you how much you should pay for liquor. And it was funny because you know, with the college kids, it's three dollars, and it was never the amount they actually spent on liquor. Uh, started a company called Funfolio, which was a better way to crowdfund. Still, my wife's favorite idea. <laughs> Funfolio. I feel. Did I? Oh, we we made some noise with. Did Funfolio. I see Funfolio? I feel like I. You had to have. Right. It was a. It was the smartest way to crowdfund. You you typed in your funding goal and it put it into a cube. It was an algorithm that put it into a cube, uh, and it was essentially you know the missed spots, especially with companies like 
you know, I was building or after school programs or nonprofits is no, I don't have it right now because the mentality is 10, 15, 20, 50. Yeah. Well, can you be my $3 cube? Always convert it. You know, can you be my $1 and, you know, after school programs loved it. Yeah. Loved it, loved it. But I just never had the passion for it. It was always with peer to peer lending. Um, I couldn't get it out of my head. So, you know, we started picking up steam. We had. So when was, just give me timeline again. When was Funfolio? 2017. Okay. 2017, you know, started rocking and rolling with that. But I don't know what other entrepreneurs might, you know, say on the podcast, but, you know, if there's no passion, you're going to drown in entrepreneurship. And I kind of felt that, you know, so much success and everyone was like, yeah, keep going. And I just could not find the motivation to do that, you know, versus what I was passionate about. So uh, past that went off, still doing, okay. 2018, got a job at Sunglass Hut because, you know, I, I tried to fill in some knowledge flaws and I could not sell lemonade to anybody on the hottest day. <laughs> and, you know, and I was like, okay, well, that's the one thing I'm missing. And it's going to work after I learn how to sell. So I became the the fashion sunglass king at Keystone Mall. I sold more Chanel's and Dior than anybody in the history. Uh, anyone that worked with me. All right, give me, the, give me the pitch. Sell me some sunglasses. What, like, how does that go down? It's not about being fancy. It's about the story that Coco Chanel painted when she made her glasses growing up in an orphanage, the stained glass windows that she saw when she woke up, you know, the insecurity she felt in being short and wanting long legs. That's why she made the black toe shoe, which cut her foot off, but elongated her leg. That's the type of glasses you look like you wear. You know, you're all about the story. You're all about what you're buying. It's not a $600 purchase for you. It's a, it's an investment. And we just go from there, you know, right on. <laughs> How quickly can you tell if somebody's a buyer when you, when you, when you go into that? People want stuff. They walk right to it. I mean, from, for me, just, you don't look for buying signals. That's the biggest thing I learned. You just miss them and you start to recognize it the more and more you attempt to sell. Uh, even when I pitched investors for the Halo app, it was the Halo app at that point, late 2017. I worked through the holiday season at Sunglass Hut uh, as an assistant manager at Keystone um, into 2018. And you start to talk to people and you realize people love this idea. They don't hate it. It's not a no. It's just a not, you're not ready yet. Or it's just a, you have to answer this question or this is still a hole. But buying signals are everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. So, you know, I worked at Sunglass Hut for a little bit. I won a launch job for shipped that I still can't believe. Um, I emailed them from eight different emails. I'll have my secretary you know, call you in the morning. And then I emailed <laughs> them from a different name, different name and it saved my life because I had no money. You know, I was still paying in the house I was at when I was in architecture, you know, all the stuff that I had, all the expenses. And somehow for like a year, I have no clue how I made it. You know, they tried to repossess my car. I had the repo people knocking on my door. My lights were cut off. Ooh, we yeah. were pouring, you know, gallon water down our backs for the shower, uh, which even takes you to the Halo store. So, um, you know, we had these atrocious water bills, you know, $700 a month for three months for whatever reason. It was their flaw. Uh, and we were in a, you know, small issues claim for a year and they never removed it. But we put our uh, water payment on a long-term extension, our electric bill and our water payment on a long-term extension, got caught back up. 
My wife and I were about to have a baby. My roommate, which helped me start the other company, moved out. All the bills were coming in. You know, I was doing well. I just caught back up with, with all my... With the baby coming. Yeah, with, with my life. And, you know, stable money was was good. I was working everywhere. I had put the entrepreneurship journey down for a little bit to raise a family. And my lights got cut off. Out of nowhere, mother-in-law was on, on the couch. We had breast milk in the freezer. We had just got groceries. And I always say, when your lights get cut off, it's not... It's not your light. There's candles. There's your phones. It's the fridge. <laughs> when the electricity gets cut off, the fridge is off. And I called them and they said, well, that long-term extension that you were on is in default. And I was like, what, what long-term extension? Oh, okay. Well, how much do you need? $612. And it dawned on me in that moment that I could get it together. You know, I had it at that time. But 100 million Americans don't literally don't. And that's mothers and fathers. Like that's a pain point. That's young professionals that it could just take that one loss of confidence to feel like they can't make it. You know, it's, it's kids in college where stress is an all time high. Freedom is as well, but you know, that's the number one reason for dropouts, financial issues. Everything is stems from financial issues, divorce, depression, suicide. Yeah. And I felt that for the first time, even when I was, you know, broken, alone and depressed back in, you know, 2016, this was 2018. And I was, you know, I had a family. And for the first time I panicked, I felt it. I had a panic attack, breathed a little bit. You know, my wife grabbed me around the head, said, we have it, relax, uh, paid it, got my lights cut back on. But I just could not imagine, even if people don't share that story, how people feel and you start to realize why they you know, do atrocious options like cash advance. You understand it. It's no more lack of education or whatever people's viewpoints are. It's like, I get it. I get why you go there and they can charge you 300, 400, 500%. Indiana is the second highest in the country. I get why people do bad things. For a long time, I never pitched that. This is in my new pitch deck. People do bad things. You know, that's an alternative. It's not just cash advance. It's not just Reddit. It's not, you know, some of these other startups that do so many services, it, it's bad things, it's cash advance, and it's begging family, which tears families apart. Right. And leading into the pitch, that's why we created the Halo app. You know, a peer-to-peer lending platform where borrowers can have access to money safely from a, an entire world, entire country of backers. You know, people like you and myself, people like your neighbor, people like pastors, people that are investors in this company because they do it every Sunday to their congregation. People like general contractors because they do it every single day to their to their independent contractors. Yeah. You know, people like teachers because they do it to their coworkers. Those are the people that invested in our company because they understand what it is. This episode is brought to you by Fullstack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Fullstack PEO. Fullstack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. Give me the current status of the Halo app. I, I guess you have product that's in the market. People are using it. Like, Just give me the quick rundown. Uh, launched October 1st, kicking and screaming. I mean, we we're growing. It was a legendary growth. <laughs> 
to be completely honest, like 45% week over week, just smashing it. Since October? Is that sustained? Is that still going? For the first two months, it was great. Our default rate was 70%. Whoa. Exactly. Which I knew it was the question that, you know, we were going to have to step to eventually. It's a question everyone asks, but it it still surprised me. You know, everybody, it felt like at the time, and you can ask the team too, everybody was not paying back. It was, they weren't paying me back. They weren't paying Ariana back. You know, they weren't paying Josh. And so we put everything on pause. We uh, realized first and foremost, some of it was our bad. <laughs> it was technology issues. But like they tried to pay back and the app wouldn't let them, they couldn't do it. Or cool example of what you learn when you actually launch a product and you stop just talking about it. it. Um, When you connect your bank account on our platform, it connects directly to your bank account. If some banks don't have both current balance and available balance. So if your bank account doesn't have both, it was coming back as null and disconnecting your bank account. So when they attempted to repay, oh, there was no oh, bank attached to repay. Interesting. That was just a random thing we could have never thought of, but that was about 50% of it. You know, still extremely high default, even when we fixed that. So we, we shut the app off and we said, let's figure it out. You know, let's forego growing fast for growing right, growing correctly. And, you know, we came across five issues. There was no sense of community. We spent... Uh, an entire year building community, like strong positivity bomb is, you know, probably one of the most endearing brands in Indianapolis right now. We've got 10,000 people wearing t-shirts. My Lyft driver had on uh, a t-shirt and a wristband and pitched the entire company from toe to toe. I mean, passionately, I was crying like a baby in my, you know, in the lift in the back seat. never said who I was, just you know, showed him my positivity bomb t-shirt and he said, yeah, you know, it was the best moment ever, but, you know, built this community about changing your mind before we change your wallet about thinking more positively about, it's not about, you know, the money it's about, you know, how you're dealing with whatever problems you're going through because it's, it's the best possible umbrella. If you understand being more positive, you understand backing and borrowing on our platform. So we spent the year building that when we launched the app, nobody that used the app was, was a part of that community. We were getting posted on Reddit. You know, we were all over the place on Facebook, this, this. So that was the first thing. Let's, let's, you know, regain control of the platform. Okay. Let's build a community. Let's bring it private. We're a completely private only community, which has been terrific. Also, let's change our messaging. It's not default or delinquency. It's it's stealing. 90% open rate on our emails on, hey, was it your intention to steal? You know, we're going to report you for theft. Like those buzzwords give people an entirely different emotion because, I mean, that's what our platform is. You're not just a small person to chase bank. You know, you're stealing from somebody that gave you $200 from their savings account and people started repaying off of that message alone. I'm so sorry. I apologize. If there is there any way I can pay $100 now, I'll just pay it right now. Um, so recovery was great. Uh, we also did different things. We didn't have a CRM. We, we were doing no email marketing. Uh, those are obvious solutions. And then one thing we have not solved yet is borrower education because there is such a big gap between I only have two weeks to repay and, oh, I can just do minimums. There's all this space in between. They're polar opposite. And, you know, a lot of the customer service calls were, why didn't you, why don't you just do 12 weeks? 
You revert back to the platform. A borrower is simply just like Cash App, request how much they need, say what it's for, and set how long they need to repay the loan, which can be anywhere from two weeks to 24 weeks, so up to six months. Okay. And uh, so they have that power to choose how much they need and how long they need to repay. That's unchanged. The backer chooses how, how much they want to charge in backer fees. So it's just a simple sliding bar. You select a request just like you're getting matched with Uber and you slide zero. We've had people do 0% loans all the way up to 35%, uh, which helps us with some usury loss, just, you know, a, a transparency moment. But, you know, why didn't you just do 16 weeks? Why did you do four if you couldn't pay $120 twice? Well, I just, so there's a bar education that we're going to implement this year, but our default drops to 6%. That is a big difference from 70. Unimaginable change. Wow. Our growth stopped as well. Um, So we're going uh, much slower, under 10%. um, Month over month. But now we're picking up. And and it's like we took a a month and a half gap where it was just like, this is not as fun, but we're growing just as fast now. So how many transactions do you think you'll do in January? Uh, Probably two to three hundred. Okay. Two to three hundred. You know, we charge a 10% per transaction. And is that how you think about? Growth is it more about the transactions happening on the platform, or is it active users, or is it I'm, some combination of those? What, how do you think about it? Usually, for, for me, it's total loan volume. Okay, yeah. To be completely honest, because you know that's that's substantial in terms of like actual people's money. Yeah, <laughs> and so that that's kind of where we start first. Like, okay, you know, we're over fifty thousand dollars in loan volume. I was just going to ask. Yeah, that we're we're about to do that this month. So, you know, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. You're about to do that today, this month. So you're about halfway through the month, you'll hit 50,000. No, we're at that now. We should do another 50 this month. Off of those to 300. Yeah, we we take 10% of those, you know, per transaction as a host fee. We're we're launching official here. We're breaking the news. Uh, A pretty cool option, you know, in terms of inviting communities because it's been so great. We're growing slow and it's sustainable and people pick up the loans in 15 minutes and they always pay back. That's kind of the culture. Now it's never going to grow that fast, like Uber and all these other things. So there's another application where we can invite a community, say, Hey, developer town as an employee assistant program, or just as a perk a benefit, you know, here's an offering. You don't have to have the cash flow for it. You don't have to break your balance sheets. Uh, you can just connect them to our platform. We'll invite your community. It still has the accountability structure that we love because, hey, developer town, if you're too delinquent, we're going to kick your entire company off the platform. We can do that with a, a lot of communities of interest, a lot of apartment complexes of interest in doing stuff like that. <laughs> and then also just nonprofit communities because those are our target users, nonprofits, churches. You know, we're already connected with two churches. And so we're going to grow that. So that allows us to maintain the sustainability and the you know low delinquency on on our private community and and kick up you know kick up sales you know we're doing that we're just doing five here in in January but starting February we're gonna go you know full steam ahead uh, churches nonprofits uh, businesses institutions startups uh, just uh, have another offering perks perks benefits for for their employees. All right, when you think of competitors in the space, who or what comes to mind? None. I say that. Not in ignorance, but just in, you know, to complete honesty and direct competitors and peer-to-peer lending, small dollars, none. The, the immediate thing that you think of is Lending Club, Prosper, Lending Tree. First, when you say peer-to-peer lending as a buzzword. And or the 
an, an actual payday loan person yeah, yeah, down yeah. on the corner. Yeah, right. absolutely. So in, in list of ranking, the first one is under the table is absolutely our number one competitor. So we focus a lot of attention providing a better value proposition than that, because at the end of the day, I can still ask my mamma right. for a hundred dollars. There's certain pain points with that. Uh, second would probably be cash advance. Absolutely. You know, $60 billion industry. We all know about it. We all kind of turn our ear away from it, our eyes away from it, but it, it, it exists and their users love it. You know, I, I've talked to thousands of, of cash advance users and it's such a blessing to have access to cash when things like the electric bill happen, you know, just standing outside and talking to people. But they're so predatory. You know, even if they were a little less predatory, they would, you know, they would have a great customer experience. Just give me four weeks. I li- I can pay you back in four weeks are some of the conversations. Why are you putting me on a 300% schedule? Yeah. And there's nothing they can do about it. So that's inadvertently one. And then, you know, the, the large dollar lenders, but they literally debt consolidation loans, credit card refinance. I don't have credit cards. School refinance. I didn't go to school. You know, are some of the use cases and lending club and money tree and all those? Those are all bigger loan amounts, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then lend up, which I absolutely love. Oh, I don't know that I know lend up. They're a cash advance disruptor. Okay. You know, relatively big company, direct lender though, and they still do pretty high rates because they're coming directly from a bank. They just said, "Hey, I have this beautiful interface that we're going to lay on top of it, and we're going to create this program." That helps people go from 150%, you know, down to eventually 40%. So that's kind of what they're doing. It's just like a, a step in the right direction. Uh, we're blowing all of it up. You know, we're, we're coming in, we're creating backers, we're creating borrowers. An opportunity, it's the greatest investment platform in the world. People, you know, people can make 17% on average in six to eight weeks through backer fees, which is extraordinary. And then, like I said before, just that feeling, that good feeling of, of helping. So you tried this back in 2016 with the Halo app and it didn't work. Has anybody else tried this before? Are, are you the, f- I, cause I, and I, I don't, I have no data to back this up, but I feel like I, this has been tried before. Is that true? It's been tried. I mean, for decades, okay. you know, you can, I can trace you back to a bunch of different companies. There's a company. So what, you don't have to go into the total history of those, except so far as to like, why now? Why, why do you guys think it'll work now? Because people are riding in people's cars, you know, it's it's just a completely different economy. It just, you know, people are delivering people's groceries. People are more open to things like this. The marketplace, uh, even though we're not in the same verticals, has matured, you know, so it's it's not such an obtuse idea. I think we just have a far better solution. It's It's rooted in being a person, not just knowing banking. You know, I, I like to think that I have a pretty strong, I'm, I'm the balance of the company. You know, I, I've always been a human, a person, you know, a good person, a positive person, but I didn't get hired to design at Newsly Group, which was the, the architecture company I worked for. I was in the finance department. I got hired. At, I mean, I was going to take any job, <laughs> uh, but I was an estimator and I got promoted to the director of bidding, you know, and then I was doing all of the forecasting and, you know, finances for the company. And I fell in love with numbers 
And, you know, and then obviously from 2015 to now, just becoming an expert at one thing, you know, just small dollar loans, just, I mean, what banking does, what banking is, taking money from savings accounts and, you know, lending it out and, you know, whatever, you know, there's a lot of different things and just being, becoming an expert on, on all of these things. So now I have this incredible balance, you know, between both sides. And I think that's, you know, between community and, and actual financial services, there's a great balance for it. I think people missed out on on building community. And I you know, I actually talked to a few ex-prosper execs, and that was one big thing that they regret. You know, and then just the technology that's in the back end of it. What kind of growth do you think is sustainable growth for the product based on where it is today? I've I spent a lot of time trying to focus on today in order to be successful because the numbers with this are just so extraordinary. If you want to look at numbers, you know, there's, there's just so much opportunity here. It's the largest market in the entire world. There's no market larger than ours. So I oftentimes don't even have to talk about that slide. You know, a hundred million people can't afford $500. Got it. You know, single parent households, service workers, which includes now rideshare drivers, Got it. You get it. So it's really just, you know, how effectively can we put this in people's hands? And I think that's where the invite solution, inviting communities, inviting businesses to use it as an offering is a very good way for us to grow, you know, fairly quickly and fairly correctly. You know, I think we're going to do $5 million. I know we're going to do $5 million in loans this year. Uh, Christmas was huge for us. It was all we just weren't inviting people. You know, we had 2000 people on a wait list for Christmas, you know, three months in. That could be 100,000 you know, people next Christmas. Why the wait list? Creates demand. <clears throat> One, it's private. We don't know how we're going to convert people yet. That's a solution where we want to talk to with, you know, mentors and investors and firms that invest in our company in this next round. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Yeah. And, and you just talk it, you know, talk through it. How can we build a, a good solution for it? But it's literally creates the demand. I call it the diamond effect. We provide extraordinary value. Any backer that, you know, loses money, we can give it right back because the default's so low now, you know, people are not stealing. It's sustainable. People are backing people quickly. <clears throat> How do we not blow that up and mess it up? you know, by inviting everyone from our wait list. So, you know, ideally we want to create some sort of onboarding curriculum. You know, I want to have a million people on a wait list and send them an email that says, Hey, you're now in top 1000. You're now eligible for an interview. Hmm. I'm not afraid of that. You know, Hey, what makes you trust? And I learned that a lot from, from shipped, you know, to be completely honest, their onboard, onboarding for shoppers was extraordinary. You know, if, if they, somebody asked for organic, what are you getting if they don't have organic? Like those psychological questions, there's a psychology behind it that, you know, we can, we can do and implement and, you know, we can start to onboard even faster, those people on the wait list. And while we're at it, we can just pump out marketing, you know, access to cash, $100, $1,000, this, look how simple it is to make money and just keep growing that wait list and, and seeing the demand grow. Fantastic. If you had $500,000 to spend right now on sales and marketing, how would you spend it? The product. I mean, the products is, is essentially our best marketing tool right now because we, we have a lot of word of mouth. Non-paid advertising and marketing is huge for us. We would build a dashboard. We, we're doing everything without a dashboard right now, which 
I get laughed at whenever I talk to developers. Just somehow we're controlling this thing. But, you know, also a referral program, we're we're testing out with some some Lyft drivers right now. Just, hey, if we gave you five bucks for anybody that came and used Ashley, you know, when they onboarded, we'll not only let them into our community, you know, but we'll give you five bucks for it. It's been great. You know, we're just testing it out. So we're definitely going to look into that Q2 this year. But, you know, building out an, uh, an infrastructure for something like a referral program, some some dev tweaks again, because I think the product is once you see it and feel it and touch it and navigate it, you immediately think I've never used anything like this in my entire life. This is kind of cool. So, yeah, just continue to build it out, make it easier, make it a better experience. Taylor, thank you so much. I it, We're at time. Man, you weren't joking when you said you'd be transparent. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Uh, you've, you've been amazing. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about the Halo app, what's the best way for them to do that? Everything the Halo app, Mike. So, you know, my email, taylor at com is always available. I will respond within 24 hours. I'm not the best at that. <laughs> um, it's a big promise. Yes, I can. I can respond. I usually just say, hey, I'll get back to it in five minutes. That's like my goal for this year. Uh, the Halo app.com, the Halo app on every social channel, and you'll be able to find us. You know, we're, we're trying to make as much noise as possible. So hopefully you can just Google the T-H-E and we'll pop up on Google. So nice. we'll see. <laughs> uh, if to set expectations, if people go to the Halo app.com or they download the app and they, they put themselves on the waiting list, how long should they expect to, to be there? I would get a referral from Mike. Right on. Or uh, if you, if you put... We're going to get an influx of a bunch of people that put Mike. I love it. Uh, if you put Mike down or if you put Taylor down, uh, we'll let you try it. All right. Just, on, man. You know, we, we want to invite everybody. We Eventually, we want to let everyone in. Just take care of it, please. We built this for people. You know, we built it a specific way because we think this this can exist and really change people's lives on both ends. So, you know, if you use Mike, if you use Taylor, we'll let you in. Just take care of it. Taylor, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much. I can't wait to do this a year from now. See where we're at. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.